Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. That's me. Hi, welcome in. It is Downtown, the podcast. Rich Kimball here along with Carrie Haskell. We're brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Episode number 128 this week. And a couple of very talented folks that we'll talk with. Second half of the podcast, singer, songwriter, actor, Loudon Wainwright III. I have loved his work going back to his appearances as Captain Spaulding on MASH uh, back in the 1970s. But terrific music that he's been making now uh, for more than 50 years as well. He'll talk with us about his brand new album, a collection of, of older songs called I'd Rather Lead a Band. We get things underway, though with a recent conversation with a frequent visitor to our show and the podcast. I'm talking about actor Richard Schiff of The West Wing, The Good Doctor. Uh, We caught up with Richard just in advance of the recent West Wing reunion that you can still see. Uh, It's airing out there online. It is absolutely wonderful. So we caught up with Richard the day before, but the reunion is there for you to watch. We talked about what it was like to, to get back together with that incredibly talented cast. And, Carrie, when we talk with Richard Schiff, we always have to talk about what's going on in the world. He is very passionate about what's happening in politics and in particular the upcoming election and the importance of of making a change. Passionate and and incredibly well-informed as well. Those two things are very important to be sure they they tie together. And and I don't know that anybody does it better than, than Richard Schiff does. No, not at all. Well, you'll hear for yourself right now our conversation with Richard Schiff on downtown, the podcast. You guys all gathered at the Orpheum in Los Angeles, I understand. Correct, yeah. It's a beautiful theater, Broadway-style theater, uh, on Broadway, actually, in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, it was it was uh, a great experience, I have to say. It was lovely to see everybody. Um, I have great affection for, for everyone uh, that we worked with years ago. We're still in touch. Um we feel like family, and to be in the Orpheum Theater uh, to do the staged version um, of a television show was um, it, seamless. It just seemed like it all uh, made sense somehow, and uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm, I was really happy to to be a part of it. And for a wonderful cause too, can you talk a little bit about uh, when we all vote and what their mission is? Well, their mission is to make sure that everyone who has uh, a desire to exercise their right to vote um, has access um, and 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 capability to do just that. Uh, we're in a, living at a time where voting seems to have become uh, a much more difficult task than um, than it should be, um, uh, and there are there are there's motivation to to suppress the vote. <clears throat> and um, when we all vote, uh, as well as, say, the ACLU and other organizations are out there trying to uh, uh, ensure that people have the ability to, to exercise their, their vote and, and help determine their own future. It's a very, un- it's a very unusual um, luxury that we in this country uh, are afforded. Uh, you know, it's, it's unusual in this world today. It's, it's, it's the exception to the rule. Um, where where citizens of this country can help determine uh, uh, how the, what the government does and and what their future looks like, uh, and 
And this organization helps everyone come to the table, so to speak, and, and, and exercise that, that option. You're doing the episode from season three, Hartsfield's Landing, which is about, uh, well, waiting for the returns to come in here, uh, getting ready for the election and hoping that the little town of Hartsfield Landing is an accurate predictor of what's ahead. It's, it's a great episode, and it, it features that wonderful chess match between you and President Bartlett and, and a great conversation between you two. Yeah, I think I think I, I didn't remember the episode when I was told which one we were going to do. Uh, and Aaron uh, uh, let me know that it was Hartsfield Landing, and I said, "Okay, I remember the title, but I don't remember what it was about." And he said, uh, "It's the chess match with you and Bartlett." And I went, "Oh, okay, <laughs> I remember that." Um, and then I read the ar- the uh, the article. Then I read the episode again, um, and it was. Uh, I had a I had a real emotional uh, reaction to it this time, and I don't remember having that reaction years ago because years ago it was just a beautiful episode, but now it seems to have a poignancy and a relevance and a resonance that is even greater uh, because we live at a time when our democracy is under existential threat as we speak, and so the the it's an ode. To voting, it's an ode to the act of voting. This episode um, in the Josh and Donna storyline, certainly, and in, in, in the chess match between Bartlett and Toby, um, that's really about uh, compelling um, the president to live up to his potential, to be the best version of himself, and to not be afraid of his own brilliance. Um, and that was remarkably poignant to me today uh, compared to how it was back in the day. And um, uh, I was surprised. I was very much surprised at how, uh, how, how um, deeply I reacted to this material. Well, and it's, it's such a, a beautiful conversation you have, and it you know, makes me think back when that episode aired in 2002, yeah, it was about the time when we uh, we had elected a president that, that some felt was uh, great because he's the kind of guy you could have a beer with. And, and in the 18 years since then, you know, we've reached in many ways a, a dumbing down where we don't seek the better angels of our nature, but but we want those guys that we think can relate to us for whatever skewed reasons may exist. And then as we've learned, they don't really relate to the common man at all. Well, what what we have now is a president we can go to a brothel with, and we've yeah we've we've dumbed down uh, beyond uh, reason, beyond uh, anything that that is that is possible. I I I, I I'm shocked as to where we are as a nation, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, uh, the ability of certain interests to suppress the vote and to keep people from coming to the polls and counting the votes accurately. And, uh, uh, you know, this the, the man in the White House did not win the popular vote last time um, by a lot um, and won't win it again this time by even much, much more. <clears throat> and yet he might find a way to uh, grab at the power uh, and hold on to it. Um, and that's scary. That's really scary to me. So this... This uh, organization, uh, whenweallvote.org, uh, is out there to make sure that 
and they're not they're not saying vote one way or the other. Make sure that to help make sure that you get the right uh, to exercise um, your option to vote, and um, that's what's the most important thing. I, I, I don't think that we as a nation went this way. I don't think we dumbed down uh, as much as we actually have <laughs> because we didn't vote that way. Nor do I think we did in 2000. Um, and, uh, you know, if you remember, Gore won the popular vote uh, back then as well. So, uh, yeah, this episode was an answer to George W. Uh, 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 you know, you're not, I, I think in this Toby speech, he says you're not plain spoken. You're not a regular guy. Do not, do not act like it. Um, uh, and, and it was a call to not be afraid to be uh, smart. <laughs> Don't be afraid to be the best thing, that, the best version of yourself. You know, this is as Bartlett is, is dominating uh, a chess match with China uh, and, and uh, explaining to Sam why, you know, 12 moves ahead uh, uh, of this uh, international uh, war games uh, chess match uh, with China, you know. Um, so he is brilliant, and yet he doesn't want to campaign uh, mm. with the brilliance that he actually uh, possesses, you know, because uh, he's afraid that people won't relate to him. Uh, we can't be afraid to be smart in this country anymore. We can't be afraid. And that's why the episode uh, uh, is so compelling to me uh, today, even more so than it was back then. Yeah, I, I long for smart. I, I long for a level of competence that we took for granted for so long. Well, don't, don't you want to get to the point again where you can forget about the daily news <laughs> yes <laughs> forget about the pol political um you know where we we can actually trust that the, that that the, the person in the oval office and the staff around him and the people we elect to uh, to fill the chambers in congress actually care to leave this world a better place than how they found it don't we don't we want it we want that again do we have to spend every minute of every day worried that we even have uh, a democracy left. Um, it's shocking to me that we are, that this is where we are right now. Um, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I, am just, I'm, I'm just blown. I'm, listen, this country's had problems since day one, right? This, this part of the world has had problems since John Smith, you know, uh, um, and Jamestown in 1610, Right. Uh, we, we, we evolved kind of the wrong way. You know, we, we um, <laughs> uh, eviscerated uh, indigenous people and we, we brought slaves over and we created a mess. But while we did that, we also created a, a governmental system that is unique in the world and has the potential to create a more perfect union. And if we if we work towards that, we have a chance to you know, to, to make amends and to make things better and uh, even incrementally to, to, to find a more equitable society. And it's taken decades and hundreds of centuries, you know, to, to get rid of uh, uh, slavery, to, to change three-fifths of a human being um, element of the Constitution, to give suffrage to women, um, and so on down the line. And we had made great prog progress in the modern era, and we've We've hit a reversal into the dark ages, um, and it's going to take a monumental effort 
for us to climb out of this hole. And it, part of it is that everyone, every single uh, uh, adult uh, a voting age in this country needs to go to the polls and exercise that right. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. We're talking with Richard Schiff here on Downtown. And my concern, and I I don't think it's overblown, is that if if we get this wrong, if people don't show up and vote, I'm not sure we get another opportunity going forward. And, and I don't think it's hyperbole to suggest that. I, you know, have been accused of being a pessimist in my young life. Um, <laughs> uh, but I agree with you 100%. This, is, this might be our last chance to save it. Um, uh, every every uh, every evidence uh, points to a power grab that we have never seen before, um, uh, and everything's in place. Uh, Justice Department is now corrupt. The Supreme Court is stacked uh, in favor of a dictatorship. Um, the, the voting is being suppressed. Uh, um, if the election goes a certain direction, it will be challenged as illegitimate. Um, all of the things that dictators do, you know, all of the of that whole playbook um, has been in place since way before he got elected. He's been saying out loud for a long, long time that the state needs to be gutted, that we need to destroy before uh, we get better. And destruction is the only method that this man knows. I've seen it. I was in New York. I grew up there. I grew up with this this clown um, uh, uh, trying to grab publicity at every turn, you know, um, uh, calling the New York Post, claiming to be another person, and um, mm. uh, and and bragging about Donald Trump's uh, um, successes with women uh, in New York. I mean, it was mind-boggling how stupid uh, it was that the press followed this this guy. You know, and and the media desperate for any kind of uh, ink and any kind of coverage that gets people to watch would would um, entertain this uh, this idiocy, and it turned you know <laughs> made the guy an international name. I, it's it's just bizarre. He has destroyed everything he touched, every business he's touched. Um, he's made real estate in New York with the laundering of Russian oligarch money in the 90s impossible for New Yorkers to live in it. Um, it's too expensive. Uh, you know, it, it goes on and on and on. And, and the fact that, that, that he, he garnered any kind of legitimacy in this political process is beyond my imagination, except that he must be a puppet for some very dark forces um, and that's what's the scary part. Well, and you, you talked about the rolling back the progress we've made with, with people of color, but it's women. It's our LGBTQ plus community as well. And when you hear, well, like today, Lindsey Graham talking about the good old days of segregation, it's equally important that we also change the power structure in the Senate as well moving forward. Oh, no, uh, not just the Senate. I mean, yes, uh, we have to change who controls the Senate. We have to find a way to get rid of Mitch McConnell for sure. The obstructionist of all the greatest obstructionist of all time, um, uh, with his, you know, blank eating grin, (laughs) get rid of him. Uh, he doesn't believe in democracy. He doesn't believe in compromise. He doesn't believe in the process. Uh, Lindsey Graham doesn't believe in anything clearly. Um, and, uh, yeah, 
But not only the Senate, not only the House, not only the, the Oval Office, but state legislators and, and state governors right. and local, uh, you know, uh, uh, city council. And wherever you can alter uh, the power structure where um, the ones in power are trying to suppress your voice and suppress your vote and make it difficult for uh, people um, to affect change in their own communities, in their own states, and in their own countries, get rid of them. Change it. And they're making it very, very hard. You, you know, Biden's going to have to win by 30 points. He's going to have to win by 30 points. Um, Mitch McConnell in Kentucky, uh, you know, there, there's no chance uh, uh, of him losing because um, McGrath is going to have to win by 30 points in order to over, overturn uh, whatever corruption mm. happens, it's bad. It's really bad. And we are, uh, you know, we've seen the playbook. We've seen Steve Miller imitate Goebbels. We've seen uh, Put, uh, um, Trump imitate uh, uh, Putin. Um, and it's, it's uh, uh, the propaganda machine is in full force. Uh, everything is in place. We're, we're basically Nuremberg in 1936 at the moment. And it, and it could get really bad. And, and I'm surprised more people are not horrified by what played out in Michigan last week and the word not unexpected that this went beyond Michigan, Virginia, and several other states might have these these same type of characters uh, planning to destroy democracy. He's been, he's been inciting, the president has been inciting violence um, since day one. Uh, Charlottesville was just, just a little blip in, in, in all of that. Um, he's been calling out uh, the self-appointed militia. Um, uh, he's been threatening it, um, and clearly, and even in, in the debate, you know, with the—I don't even want to mention their names—the um, uh, calling, calling, calling out violence mm-hmm. and, and wanting—he wants chaos. Out of chaos, these profiteers will make a fortune. They're clearly doing it already in this pandemic chaos. You know, uh, billionaires apparently have made three to four hundred billion more dollars since this pandemic, since this uh, shutdown began. Um, chaos is what they want. They want <laughs> they want us to kill each other. They want us to hurt each other. They want confusion. Um, that's how they will make the most money, and that's how they will retain uh, and grab even more power and it's you know it's it's clear as the history that's in yeah, that's 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 that is this uh modern um uh, history you know it, it's it, it, it happened in germany it happened in russia uh and, and there was there's a thing about dictatorships you know uh there is a, a swing a hard um a pendulum swing towards not valuing life. Mm. You know, um, when you have a, a freedom and when you have a democratic process and when you have uh, prosperity, there's a swing towards valuing life. And when you start shutting everything down and scaring people and, and inducing violence uh, and not caring that 215,000 people have died, clearly there's a swing of the pendulum towards um, not valuing life. And that's just dark. It's just not, it's just not what, <laughs> what uh, I grew up expecting this country to be. 
um, and it's 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 sad and pathetic. Um, but um, we have the opportunity to overturn it and to change it and to redirect our 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 course. Uh, and 40 years from now, the young people in this country can say can look back on this election and say, I helped save democracy by voting in 2020. And hopefully that's what they'll do. I hope so. And the other thing they want us to do is is to hate each other and see the divisions as as being about character. And there's no way to ever reach out across that divide. And to me, that's one of the great things that the West Wing did is the characters were not black and white. They weren't good or evil. Uh, Whichever side you agreed with, you felt that they were trying to do what was best within their vision of what was best for America. And that's why I think this this reunion tomorrow night is so welcome by so many of us to remember what it was like, like when we believed that, that things could possibly work. Well, you know, the, the, the characters in the West Wing, uh, Republicans alike, as well as the, the uh, Democrats in office, you know, Bartlett administration, um, had a common denominator in that most of them, if not all of them, uh, wanted to leave the world a better place than how they found it. And maybe there were differences in, in opinion and differences in philosophy, uh, but no one wanted to see its destruction. Um, and uh, that's what we're seeing now. Uh, you know, Westering was never a, an accurate reflection of who we were. It was an idealistic kind of romantic vision of what we could be, well, you know, what what reflects who we are, as far as television shows go, is more Breaking Bad, you know. Um, and, and when you think about it, when you think about the uh, about poor Walter White and his um, public servant job, civil servant job as a teacher, um, and someone who felt like he deserved better, that he should have. Um, uh, gotten a bigger piece of the American pie, and on top of that, he gets a catastrophic illness, and his health care can't cover himself, and he now has to support his family, and the only way he can do that is by going bad, going dark, and and the, the ramifications of his actions hurt other people, um, and he doesn't care. Um, he ultimately just doesn't care. And what becomes important is how much power he can personally grab to the point that the very purpose of it all, which was to, to, to support his family, gets lost in his addiction for more power. And that's exactly where we are right yeah. now. We're, we're, we're more Breaking Bad than we are the West Wing um, by like a 95 to 5 percentage ratio. Well, one more thing we we can hopefully change with this election. I'd like to get back to a time of idealism as we strive to be better and not to not fall back on our our base nature and selfishness, whatever that might be. And I know it's not the responsibility of television shows to inspire us, but but I believe it did, and I, I believe it will. And we're looking forward to seeing it yet again. And and Richard, uh, thankful to you for as always making time for us and and doing everything you can to encourage people to get out there and participate in democracy while we still can. Well, I can't stress enough, and uh, and I, I shouldn't have to, and and 
people shouldn't need to listen to me say it in order to be motivated. We all know it. We, this whole country knows it. Um, enjoy the show. Um, if you haven't voted yet, uh, if it motivates you to get off your ass and, and go vote, then great. But uh, no one needs to be told at this at this point how important it is that they go and exercise um, their their right to vote. So enjoy the show. Um, I, I hear it's really good. <laughs> um, and uh, I was very happy to be able to do it. Um, and uh, uh, and then we'll see what happens to our country <laughs> down the road. But right. it was great to talk to you as well, Rich. That's great stuff. Richard Schiff with us here. Oh, no, I was just going to say uh, pretty much just try to clean up the front end of it a little think, bit. Yeah. And then at the very end, I yeah. think. But other than that, the rest of it right. will hold up okay. Yeah. Okay. Great stuff with uh, Richard Schiff. Uh, again, we talked with him the day before the premiere of the West Wing reunion that is available out there now on HBO Max. And I will say, having watched it, man, he was fantastic. Everybody was good. But it was a great episode for Richard to be in. Hartsfield's Landing, uh, that that wonderful chess match with Jed Bartlett, and giving it to him good. And won a, Richard won an Emmy Award when that originally aired back in 2002, and you can see why uh, in, the, in the revival. It was great. He's so good. Love talking with him. When we come back on the podcast, Loudon Wainwright III talks with us about his new album, uh, well, a trip to his past, the songs that he, uh, as he has said, he grew up, Watching his parents stoop to. <laughs> he wasn't watching, but it was the music that they loved. And he's been giving it a whole new life on his new album, I'd Rather Lead a Band. You'll hear about it after this word from Cross Insurance. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. I don't want you, but I hate to lose you. You've got me in between the devil and the deep blue sea. Yeah, there's a little taste of the new album, Loudon Wainwright III, along with Vince Giordano and the Nighthawks. The devil and the deep blue sea. We had a chance to talk with Loudon about his career and the making of the brand new album. Hi, Rich. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How about yourself? Not so bad. I love the new album so much, and I saw it described as an anti-nostalgic look at the Great American Songbook. What does that mean? See, I don't know. <laughs> you got me, Rich. Uh, I, I think, I think uh, the trick was is to take these these old songs and you know, most of them were written in the 1920s and 30s. There's even one that was written in, in 1907. But uh, to somehow, uh, you know, in the performances, the music and the vocals, which is what I did, uh, to, to, you know, in, infuse it with a kind of... Uh, so it doesn't sound uh, from another time. Uh, it's that, and that it applies, I suppose, to our time. But it's not just a look back, but, uh, you know, uh, the listener imagines that he or she is 
dancing with a loved one uh, on a dance floor, maybe, or something like that, rather than their, they wouldn't be thinking of their grandparents, they might be thinking of, them, of themselves. Well, they do sound uh, very fresh and new, and obviously your vocals a huge part of that, but the great work of uh, Vince Giordano and the Nighthawks, and uh, of course, uh, uh, Randall and Stewart, and you'd all worked together on Boardwalk Empire. We did. We, we did episodes. We did music for uh, three episodes of Board, Boardwalk Empire. And then earlier than that, Vince and I uh, were in uh, a Martin Scorsese movie called The Aviator, uh, that his Howard Hughes movie that was, I think it was in 2004. So Vince and I go back, and uh, it was a great pleasure to, to, make a, to make a whole album with it. How did you go about picking the songs for this album? Well, uh, you mentioned Randy Poster and, and Stuart Lerman, who were the, the two producers. The three of us, uh, just a lot of going back and forth with emails and MP3s of, you know, song, there are so many great songs, and thousands probably of great songs that were written in this, in this time frame. So we just threw things back and forth at each other, uh, and then somehow uh, managed to whittle it down to 14. Uh, but uh, maybe there'll be volumes 1, 2, 3, <laughs> 4, and so on. Who knows? Well, I love the songs from that era, but I have to confess I had never heard the song A Perfect Day, and that might be my favorite song on the album. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. Well, that is the song that was written in 1907 by a woman called Carrie Jacobs Bond. She wrote the, the lyric. Uh, it's a hymn, actually. It was a church music. Uh, and uh, I heard it uh, on a, this, an old uh, Barbara Stanwyck, uh, Fred McMurray movie, not Double Indemnity, but another one, a kind of light Christmas comedy. And uh, they, they sing that song in the, uh, in the movie, and I just was so struck by it that I, I went online, as you can do, and I found out about it, and, and we recorded it. We're talking with Loudon Wainwright III here on Downtown. His new album is I'd Rather Lead a Band, the title song uh, written by Irving Berlin, but with a little assist from you, you changed up the lyrics a bit for this. Right. Well, there's a, a second verse. Uh, I can't remember what Irving wrote, and it was fine, but I just... I. I I rewrote three lines or something. I, I am primarily known as a as a songwriter as opposed to a, or as a singer songwriter who sings his own songs. So I, I could not resist <laughs> the temptation of a posthumous collaboration with the great Irving Berlin. How do you approach it differently when you're interpreting someone else's songs instead of singing your own compositions? Well, in a way. One of the things I liked about doing this record was, you know, I think singer-songwriters, you know, kind of create a persona to the listener. I, I mean, I've been doing, making my own records and writing my own songs for 50 years now. So, I, they, you know, there's, there's a kind of Loudon Wainwright-ness to my, to my records generally. But this, this was a, gave me an opportunity to kind of shed that and... Uh, just be a vocalist. Just concentrate on um, on on inhabiting the song, and somehow, um, you know, make it as we were saying in the beginning. You know, making it kind of present and alive for for now. 
I've always enjoyed your work as an actor as well. Uh, we've had um, a number of the MASH folks on the show. I have to assume after all these years, you still have people come up and uh, ask about your role as Captain Spaulding? Oh, yeah. That's that's one of the big questions. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was, uh, you know, it was the biggest television show on, on television. And uh, it's, I'm sure it's playing somewhere right now in reruns. Really enjoyed your work on a film uh, that was done here in the state of Maine a couple of years ago with our friend Peter Logue. Uh, we Were an Island was a, a wonderful short movie. Yeah, that was fun. That, that, uh, I can't remember. Uh, I, I remember the wonderful actress that I worked with, a, a, a New York actress uh, called Becky Baker. Um, I can't remember the, uh, it was an Art and Nan were their first names. Mm. I remember our characters, but they were this wonderful, eccentric people who bought an island way the hell out, uh, way somewhere in Maine, and, you know, were the only people on the island, and it was their story. That was a fun little movie to make. Yeah, it was uh, terrific. You also uh, you collaborated, in a sense, uh, on the film Knocked Up, and, and the, the album that came out of that, I thought, produced some of your best music in the last 40 or 50 years, I love songs like A Daughter, uh, was gray, gray in L.A., and, and one of my favorites of yours, You Can't Fail Me Now. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a song I wrote with my friend uh, Joe Henry, who, who, who also uh, did the music for Knocked Up with me. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a terrific song. Bonnie Raitt uh, has recorded mm. that song, among other people, too. What's it like being a musician these days when you're unable to get out and, and do that thing that you've done for all these years? Well, it's tough. I mean, uh, you know, I earn my living primarily as a, as a guy who goes around with my guitar and sings in clubs and halls. Uh, so I'm not doing that now. I, I've done some virtual shows. You know, uh, people can find those. Uh, but I, I, you know, I've done three or four of those. You know, sitting in my house, make it, doing a little concert on my phone, <laughs> <laughs> which is great because I don't have to travel. But uh, I miss, as I'm sure everybody does, every singer and actor and dancer and any performer needs uh, needs an audience, a live audience. So it's a it's a tough time for us. Uh, Lab, before we let you go, can you talk a little bit about the, the very unique squirrel feeder you've got in your yard? <laughs> How did you find out about that? <laughs> oh, I've got sources. I've got sources. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to get too political. I mean, uh, uh, it's Stephen I, King's I, station. You, you can I get political. Are you referring to the one that's the uh, the, 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 the the head of our, our, our fearless leader? That would be the one indeed, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody knows who our fearless leader is. I won't, I won't mention any names. Good. There's a squirrel feeder you can get. It's a, it's a little rubber head that's, that looks like you-know-who, and it just dangles down from a tree. And inside, if you put some, uh, some peanut butter, like a little spoonful of peanut butter in this head, squirrels, will be attracted to it, and they, they poke up inside the head, and then they kind of run around maniacally, and it's quite a sight. Uh, we have a couple of, uh, I should probably post it on YouTube. It's very, it's very funny. And um, 
I'm just, I, I hope I don't get arrested, basically. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping art imitates life or the other way around here at some point. I know the squirrels are certainly uh, attracted to nuts. Uh, Loudon, it's great to talk with you. Love the new album, I'd Rather Lead a Band. Have enjoyed your work for so many years. Thank you for making time for us today. Good, good talking to you, Rich. Thanks for having me on your show. One of my favorites, talented guy, Loudon Wainwright III, with us here on Downtown Hour. Thanks to Loudon. Thanks as well to the wonderful Richard Schiff. And thanks to you for joining us this week. We remind you, the podcast is brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Next week, by the way, great guest on the podcast, talented comedy writer Meryl Marco will join us and talk about her new book, We Saw Scenery. Harry Haskell, I'm Rich Kimball. We'll see you next time here on Downtown.